So I had a, um, a possible exposure with COVID this week, so just out of, I feel fine, um, but just out of an, an abundance of caution, we'll take a few extra steps uh, today to keep me a little more distant. So would you pray with me? Loving God, we pray your spirit upon our hearts this morning to open them, open our minds, prepare us for a word from you today. In Christ we pray, amen. So today is a, uh, a BBS here at Montview, a blessedly boring Sunday. No co-preaching, no building grand openings, not even a baby to baptize. So for the sermon, I went back to the trusty lectionary, which gives us four scripture readings for each Sunday, as you may know. And I don't know if you know this, but in between Easter and Pentecost, one of the four choices is always from the book of Acts, um, which you'll remember is the story of the early church when they first, right after Jesus' uh, death and resurrection, the story of them spreading the good news around the Mediterranean and beginning Christian communities. So that's where we are today, in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, which is a fun passage to preach on, if for no other reason than watching the scripture reader try to navigate all of those ancient city names, which you did a great job, Marty. Well done. When we pick up the story, the Apostle Paul has just asked Timothy to join him in his travels, and off they go, first to Phrygia and to Galatia, almost to Bithynia and Mycenae, before reaching Troas which Troas is along the Aegean Sea on the northwestern coast of Turkey today, if you are good at that kind of thing. And it's in Troas that Paul has a vision of a man in Macedonia pleading for Paul's help. Macedonia is in modern-day Greece, just across the Aegean Sea. So they set sail to find this man. First, the story says to the city of Samothrace, and then to Neapolis, and then to Philippi. And so at this point, I'd like to play a game called, Who is this story really about? Because it seems, with all of this buildup and all of this detail, that this story is going to be about a man from Macedonia. But once Paul and Timothy reach Philippi, not only do they not ever find the man, he's never mentioned again. So it's not about him. Who they do find there is a group of women at a prayer gathering and one particular woman named Lydia. And even though we only get a glimpse of her life here in these few sentences, it's clear there's something special about Lydia. First, remember that beyond the core characters in the Bible, most people in the Bible are not named at all, and especially true uh, of women. And so the fact that we know Lydia's name tells us that she probably played a much larger role in the early church and the development of the Christian church than just letting Paul and his friends couch surf on her, uh, in her house for a few days. Second, the text tells us that Lydia is, quote, a dealer in purple cloth. Doesn't strike us as a very big deal, but it would have to early readers of this. Because back then, the only way they had to produce the color purple was by harvesting the Bolinus brandaris, a snail that lived in the Mediterranean Sea. 
the shell of a Bolinus brandaris. Brandaris is about two inches, and it's a beautiful little conch shape that you'd be very happy if you found on the beach someday. And to produce just one gram of purple dye, the amount that it might take to just do the trim of a toga in purple, required 10,000 snails. So purple cloth was very rare and extremely expensive, which meant that Lydia, as a dealer in purple cloth, had contact with the wealthiest of the wealthy and was probably quite wealthy herself. That's supported by the fact that she also seems to be the decision maker in having her household baptized in the text and inviting Paul into their house. That would have been very unusual in the first century where uh, the domain of women was largely behind closed doors. So it's clear that Lydia has a very interesting, fascinating life. We only get just a glimpse of it. So you could make a good case that this scripture passage, this story, is about her. Now, if you were Paul, you'd probably say, he would probably say, well, the story is about him, right? He's in every scene. He's the one history remembers. And this is the question I want to play with today. It's an interesting theological question, not just for uh, biblical stories, but for our own story. I want to ask you to consider today, who is your story really about? How many times, for example, have we started chasing our own version of the man from Macedonia, caught up in some vision that we thought that we had to do or somewhere we had to be or something we had to have, some new career path maybe or a new relationship, some shiny thing that we were convinced that this was what our story was about only later realized that it wasn't. And how many times along the way to finding that man from Macedonia have we met people that we didn't expect to encounter? People who perhaps seemed like extras in our movie. People like Lydia that we never really saw in their fullness because it's so hard, isn't it, to imagine that other people's lives are actually just as valuable as ours are. And we know it intellectually, but it's hard in our hearts. And that's because I think we're like Paul, right? We think we must be the main character in the story because after all, everywhere we go, we're in every scene, right? And it makes it almost impossible, really, not to have a distorted view of the world and, and who it's really about, what it's really, uh, what's really happening. We are just too close to one particular character to see everything as it is. Which is why it's important to remember there is one other character in the story in the 16th chapter of Acts. Someone we may not have noticed at first. Back at the beginning of our reading, you remember where it says, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to opposite to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow it. 
I think the writer of Acts names the Spirit of God like, like another character in the story, guiding and shaping, preventing things from happening, which means this isn't just a story about a man from Macedonia or about Lydia or about Paul. There's also a story here about the Spirit of God unfolding. And the author sees this. Do we have eyes to see this? Because it invites us to think about our own world and our own lives as maybe being a little bit less about us and a little bit more about something bigger than us. But how do you do that? How do you make that shift? Well, I have an unusual spiritual practice for you to try. I invite you to spend some time moving through this world, pretending that you aren't in it. A good time for this is when you're alone in the car. I, I really mean this. I do this. Drive around and watch the world like you're watching a movie. Try to, try to see it as if you actually don't exist. It can be very freeing. Because, you know, it's a lot of pressure to be the lead character all the time. Right? Constantly worrying about your lines, how you're coming across. We need breaks from this. Also fun is to choose a random stranger that you see the more colorful, the better, I find. And just pretend for a while that, that actually they are the lead character in the story. Just let yourself imagine that all of this is actually about them and you are just an extra in their movie. It'll make you smile, some people more than others. And it'll help you see more clearly how silly you are the rest of the time thinking that this movie is about you. Spiritual maturity is about learning to, to move more and more out of the spotlight, seeing ourselves not in the lead, and asking instead how we might play a good supportive role to a larger story. And without corrective measures, our perspective it so easily gets distorted. It's not our fault that we're always in all of our scenes. And this fact can't help but go to our heads, making us think a little too much about ourselves and perhaps imagining ourselves to be a little more important than we are. But with some practice, we can start to read the story more clearly some signs that we are moving in the right direction include not needing to be right all the time, not being easily offended. We find that we don't need to be noticed so much or recognized for our contribution. We care less about how we look and how we're coming across and we don't beat ourselves up so much when we make a mistake. Those are the problems of someone in the leading role. The more 
that we see ourselves as an extra doesn't matter so much. So this week, I invite you to stop now and then and ask, who is my life, my story really about? Is it about that vision that I am chasing? Is it about the person I just passed by and didn't even notice? And do I really want to be the lead character in this story? Or is it time to step back and start learning to play a supportive role for a character that, that maybe I'm just beginning to notice more? Amen.